Hello, welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And my name is Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And we are speaking ahead of probably what is one of the biggest weeks ever in terms of the combined history of our two clubs. Arsenal playing in the Europa League final on Wednesday night against Chelsea. And Tottenham on Saturday will play in perhaps the biggest game in world football other than the World Cup final, the Champions League final against Liverpool. Um, but before we get onto that, we should probably review what happened at the end of the Premier League season. Spurs finishing above Arsenal for the third season in a row now, just by the one point. Uh, Jason, how did you feel about how Arsenal finished the season? Um, I'm going to be as harsh as I usually am. I think it was absolutely pathetic how we finished the season. Um, it was totally up for grabs, the top four. You know, the fact is, I think I said a long time ago, I thought Chelsea were going to do it because they had that class. The truth is that everyone else failed around them. We had results against Brighton, Leicester, Wolves, Palace and Everton. Not one win against those five. Just one more point, basically, against them. And we would have gazumped Spurs, who, in my opinion, and obviously I'll, I'll, um, I will uh, balance this debate out a little bit later, but they were very lucky to get the top four based on their end of season as well. So obviously City is a tough game. They were going for the title. That That's reasonable. But also losing, um, drawing against Everton and the Bournemouth game and the West Ham game. Um, Spurs won't be so lucky in the future if everyone else um, works hard around them. But, but back to Arsenal, I think um, it was just a bit gormless. And again... Just, it just shows winning 3-1 away to Burnley at the end of the season. It, it kind of shows how when the pressure is off and everything is done, Arsenal turn up. That, that is the bottom line. So has anything changed from, from the season before that? Probably not. It seems like our season is, is basically parity to how it was last year, except a little bit better because of what's going on um, in the Europa League final. But I... I I wonder if you if you agree with that point about Spurs being very lucky because a lot of Spurs fans are beat to say no no we've had a great season we're top four but the truth is you should have been going for the title you or we all thought they were going for the title so I I, I think it just masks a lot of the inadequacies at Spurs um, and that Champions League final has has um, made you look a lot better than I think you actually are. Um. I think you'll probably be surprised to find that I actually agree with quite a lot of what you just said. I personally couldn't believe our luck that we still finished in the top four, given how bad we were for this final stretch of the season. Um, I disagree that we should have been going for the title. I think when you see how far ahead City and Liverpool were, I don't think in a season where we hadn't signed any players and played half the season away from home that we were really going to be able to compete. But I think certainly top four we should have made far easier for ourselves than we did, considering how far ahead we were at one point. Um, and I just couldn't believe every weekend when we messed it up, either against West Ham or against Bournemouth or against City, Arsenal and Chelsea United would just go and outdo us. And it was quite a nice feeling because normally it's us who are the ones, you know, blowing these opportunities to, you know, to take advantage of. But everyone else was doing it around us. And I felt very lucky to, to get that top four at the end of the day. I mean, even when you drew with Brighton and it looked like that was it, I was still worried about an eight-goal swing on the last day. <laughs> you just never know with Tottenham. It's happened. And I think it's probably for the best that we didn't speak immediately after that Brighton game because I think you probably would have 
what you would have had to have said about Arsenal probably wouldn't have been able to uh, to make it onto iTunes. But um, no, I was, yeah, I felt very thankful that at the end of the day, we just scraped through with one point. And, you know, I think me and every other Spurs fan looks back now to that North London derby, that last minute of Birmingham penalty. If that goes in, you probably finish above us. So probably that's arguably the most consequential North London derby we've had for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually completely forgot about that. I, I, I just, I, it was so traumatic, it left my brain. But the truth is that that's when you need solid characters who put that away, regardless. And um, and that was the real, that was the real turning point retrospectively. And it's a shame because do you remember the first day of our podcast. You know, it was all looking uh, Arsenal centric after that that four two win, and I was feeling confident. I thought this is it. The tide turned again, but unfortunately, it just hasn't happened that way. Yeah, I mean, that 4-2, yeah, it was our, our first episode, and I was really worried. I thought, oh, no, Arsenal are back. You know, they're going to finish above us again. It's going to be same old story. But, yeah, for three seasons on the bounce now, we've we've finished above you. And, you know, I don't think we'll be able to, to keep that run going for as long as Arsene Wenger did against us, however many years it was. But it shows that I think for certain now we are the better team in the league finished above you three years running. And, you know, normally it would be Arsenal would have a bad season, but they'd still finish above Spurs. And I feel this year we've had one of our worst seasons in the league for about three, four, five years. And yet we've still managed to finish above you, even though you went on that 22 game unbeaten run. And even though you've got to the Europa League final, we've got to the Champions League final. So I feel like the ways in which Arsenal would have normally overshadowed Tottenham We've overshadowed Arsenal this season in a way, in, in the manner that Arsenal used to for all those years when no matter what we did, you'd always finish above us or any achievements we had, you'd, you'd be able to outdo. I feel this year the, the tide has turned a bit, although if you win the Europa League and, and we lose in that Champions League final, then the debate will rage as to who's had the better season. 100%. And if I wanted to ask you, actually, retrospectively, looking back at the season as a whole, how are you feeling? I think the season as a whole, I feel good because I think what I'll remember from this season is moving into the new stadium and getting to the final of the Champions League. And I mean, I was I was walking to the last game of the season against Everton and I was thinking how lucky I actually felt to to be a Spurs fan in this season because it's it's a pretty historic season in the, in the history of the club. The first time ever in, the, in a Champions League final and getting to see your club move into a new stadium. You know, those are two things that a lot of Spurs fans won't have been alive to witness. So, you know, I say whatever happens in the final, I'll, I'll look back on the season fondly. Obviously, if we get absolutely humiliated in the final, then that might change things. But, Thank God. <laughs> but considering, you know, we've got Champions League football again, we finished above Arsenal, we're in a brand new stadium, we've got to the Champions League final and, and the, the manner in which we did it, I mean, that Ajax second leg, I mean, I've never felt emotions like that watching football. I mean, I, I burst into tears when that Lucas Moura goal went in. I still can't believe it happened. I feel like I'm living in some alternate reality and that in any minute I'm going to wake up in, in the real world and actually we didn't get through. Um, oh, me too. Me too, Michael. Me too. And I must say, I, don't, I, I hope you, you don't mind me sharing this information, Jason, but uh, he was very gracious um, at the final whistle. I got a phone call from Jason. I wouldn't say you were happy necessarily that Spurs had got to the final, but you were reasonably congratulatory considering the circumstances um and I mean that was just one of the best nights of my life following Tottenham so I think those memories and emotions will make me always look back on this season fondly even if in terms of results in the league and like you said our form particularly at the end 
you know, any other year, if Arsenal or United had their act together a bit more, then we could have been looking back on this season very differently as well. So there is an element of luck to it. And definitely a huge element of luck in that Champions League run as well with the VAR against City and all the rest of it. But, you know, sometimes luck falls your way and these things happen. And I think, yeah, this season has been one of the most historic in my time following the club. And I think, you know, in the whole history of the club. And just to add to that, I mean, all things considered, being neutral, it's been an amazing achievement, an amazing season for Spurs to get to that Champions League final. So on the record, well done from a footballing point of view. From all other points of view, I hope Liverpool absolutely stuff you 4-0 and, uh, uh, or even you, you ask for a FIFA forfeit and say, we'll lose 3-0, it's fine, we don't want the wrath of Salah, Mane and Firmino. Um, but it's very special. It's a very, very, very special moment. One that I, in my football supporting years, have unfortunately not been able to really see. You know, the 2006 final um, was a little bit uh, too early in my footballing uh, following um, era for me to really acknowledge. Um, but I'm sure you'll, uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And I guess this time next week, um, we'll know whether my one week, my one way ticket um, to Australia will be confirmed. <laughs> And I, I wanted to ask you the same sort of question about Arsenal season, because I guess for you, more so than for us, how you feel about your season will really hinge on what happens in that final. Because we've got Champions League football next season, whatever happens. But for you, winning that Europa League could really change completely how you perceive this season. So I'm wondering how you feel about your season pre-Europa League final and how you think you'd feel about the season post-Europa League final if you were to win it. How much would it change how you feel about this season? The truth is that for me personally, the Europa League final means everything for the short-term future of this club. Um, getting back in the Champions League, the signings you can make, the money that's available to you, um, the commercial element as well, and the reputation and image of Arsenal is huge. Um, but th- there's more that needs to be done in the long term. You know, the contract situation with Ramsey been a joke on the other side of the spectrum the contract situation with Ozil has been more of a joke um the signings you made early in the summer I think I've mentioned this before and it was kind of it was a it was a um it was a comment kind of prompted by Le Grove the um famous Arsenal blogger about how where are the strategic signings why are you signing a youth in terms of Gwendozi but then you're signing a veteran in terms of Lichtsteiner where is where is that balance where are we going from there have we got a style of play and a world-class manager who has a vision. I still don't think so. And I've said that throughout the season, that despite maybe this being a slightly better season than last year, because we've now um, we've now um, got one step further in the Europa League to the final um, and actually one position further in the league, um, I, I don't know. I mean, the communication to the fans this year has been also a little bit leaving much to be desired because nobody really know, knew about what we were planning to do. Um, nobody nobody knew the player situation either. Um, we never knew whether this was going to be a post-Wenger revolution or an evolution. And unfortunately, it seems like the latter, which isn't great for, for short-term minds like the Arsenal fans. Um, looking back at the, at the Premier League season, I think actually... We had that massive, what was it, 20-something game run, unbeaten run, which was incredible. That was, that was really impressive and did show that surely we have improved. 
against those medium-type teams. We, we've had, as I mentioned before, those terrible um, results against some of the smaller teams towards the end of the season. But actually, results against the Uniteds and the Spurs and the Chelsea, and apart from one big blip against Liverpool, losing 5-1 early in the season, we have um, gotten slightly better against the big teams. So I have to give the manager um, the manager uh, that. Um, but I think there's just been so much inconsistency across the team, and that might be a new manager trying to figure out what his best team is. But the back three has changed to a back four, back to a back three, and the players have changed within that, sometimes based on injuries, but just sometimes based on on um, unfounded tactical decisions. The midfield, too, so our, our holding midfielders, sometimes you'll play, you know, Torreira is brilliant, and he was out of the team half the season. Shaka kind of in, out, shake it all about. Guendouzi kind of came in. Elmene sometimes made appearance. There was no consistency and no real backbone to that squad. And most importantly, our top goalscorer, Bamiyang, was in and out of the team as well. So it seemed overall a little bit too late for Emery to figure out what was our best combination of strike force, what was going to get us the gold, and what was going to get us the firepower to finish in the top four. And I think, I think looking at this, and it all depends on this Europa League final, because if we can go and attract the players that we want, we have the, or he wants rather, and we have the money to do that, then I think actually... Um, next season, there's no excuses for not for finishing in the top four. And I, I just wanted to ask you as well, and I'm, I guess I've touched upon it with Arsenal, where you see Spurs going next summer. So I know, I know. It, again, it kind of depends on what happens in the Champions League final, but also, again, one game shouldn't and one trophy shouldn't mask the overall long-term progress of Spurs. Do your big players, um, will your big players leave? Who's going to come in? Who can be better? Than what you've got, and obviously the managerial situation as well, um, because Pochettino clearly is getting ready to stay in his Real Madrid accommodation. <laughs> well, actually, I think the, the most recent quotes from Pochettino have been very encouraging about him wanting now, you know, he sees this as the end of one project and he wants to start another. And I think, you know, five years at Tottenham, getting them into the new stadium, into the Champions League final, there's been progression. And I think now him and everybody else around the club, I think, recognises that there has to be a change in it new expectations set and a, a new mindset and I think if there is the money to spend this summer and we can bring in some of the players who we've been linked to um, then I think next season there's you know I think definitely hanging on to being a, being a regular top four team needs to be sort of default position for us now we need to you know three years well four years running now we've been we finished in the top four um, we you know we've got to stay in there now make ourselves a regular Champions League club and we've got to start genuinely pushing for the Premier League and winning trophies. That that has to be the next step. And I mean, if we win the Champions League, the biggest trophy of them all, then that needs to be the beginning of a new era of success rather than just, you know, the culmination of, of this great team. And then, you know, that's it. We It can't just be a one-off almost, you know, like Leicester winning the league. It needs to be the start of a, you know, whole run of trophy winning success. I think Jose Mourinho said in the press the other day that if Tottenham can win that trophy, then they could go on a on a run of winning trophies. But at the same time, you know, it's going to be very difficult. I think as long as City have Guardiola, as long as Liverpool have Klopp, those two teams are going to be very hard to dislodge at the top of the Premier League. If Arsenal come back stronger next season or Chelsea or United, you know, it's going to be very competitive. So I think it's I, I think it's probably the most difficult it's ever been to 
be in the top well to one extent but also when you look at how bad the top four race was this year actually how poor everybody was you could also say actually it was probably easier than ever to finish in the top four but I think yeah if, if we make big signings in the summer then we've got to embrace the bigger expectations and not do what we've done this season which is make excuses for why we've fallen short and I think this year there's been legitimate reasons why you can say okay the stadium the injuries the signings but now we're in the stadium if we make the signings then in the summer and we've shown we can get to the Champions League final then I think we have to set higher standards for ourselves and accept the fact that we'll be judged based on those and it's funny based on all the banter about Spurs not winning a trophy the truth is there's a there is a high possibility that that is completely uh, mitigated by winning the biggest trophy of them all and someone asked me actually my friend um, Jack who I'll give a nice uh, shout out to on the podcast which he's been desperate for all season um, uh, he asked me what is more of an achievement winning the Premier League or winning the Champions League and I thought about this quite hard I think in terms of where you are as a team and how good you truly are I do think the Premier League is the the long-term test of your squad of your style um, and of your players but the Champions League in terms of reputation and prestige um, and, and probably that that the overall um, star quality is for sure where it's at. Um, however, I, I do allude to teams such as when Porto won the Champions League. It's, you don't want to become that anomaly. You want to become, as a fan, I mean, I'm sure for the next few years, if you won it, or the next decade, you'd be loving it. But in the long-term scheme of things, you want to be a club um, that you're proud to support and, that, and that, that has an impact. And you want to sit there next season and think, you know what, if we've lost, let's go and do it again. Let's try again. Or if you've won, let's go retain it. You can't rest on your laurels as a football club now. Um, we saw the Leeds United and Villa, Villa do that of that world. I'm not saying that that's what Spurs could become. Um, I mean, when Chelsea won the Champions League, they haven't really done much in that competition since, if you think about it. Yeah, no, they've, they've, they've faded big time. I think they've, so they won the Europa League and then they've been in it like a few times now. Yeah, so I mean, that that's the, and I agree with you, the Porto example, I think is a good one. We need to make sure whether we win in this final or not, just being there, we don't want that to just be a once in a lifetime thing, even though obviously now getting there for the first time, it is literally a once in a lifetime thing. But once you've got there, you want to make sure you're there every year. I mean, Liverpool, this is their second final in a row. They lost last year, but they've come back and they're in the final again this year. If we lose, we need to take inspiration from them and use this Champions League run the way they did theirs to, you know, go for a title challenge and then to, to come back the next year. So there's different. Yeah, you, you want to follow, I suppose, the, the Liverpool way rather than the, the, the Chelsea way when it comes to being in Champions League finals. In a week of big politics, Michael, you actually answered that question in true um, Westminster style, because when I asked about big players, who leaves, who goes, um, who comes in, that, that was not addressed in the question. So in true uh, Andrew Marr style, I will ask you again, what happens to those players leaving in the summer, potentially? So <clears throat> the, the two who I think are probably definitely going to leave are Ericsson and Alderweireld. And I do think we will be signing players this summer. I think a lot of it will depend on 
what happens in certain finals, not just the Champions League final, but in a game that is actually worth, is far more valuable, which is the championship playoff final. I think if Aston Villa don't win that, I wouldn't be surprised if we went back in for Grealish and if he could maybe fill Ericsson's role a little bit. Uh, we've been linked to uh, Undembele from Lyon as well, who could kind of, we definitely need some replacements in midfield. I think, you know, Sizoko's done an incredible job and, and Winks, you know, injury prone and everything. But our midfield this season has been really uh, on its last legs. If we can get those reinforcements in midfield and make a, a good defensive signing to replace Alderweireld, I think we'll be all right. I mean, Spurs have seen big players come and go over the years. Modric, Gareth Bale, maybe he'll come back as part of the Ericsson deal. And, you know, that could be a huge signing for many different reasons. Um, so I, I think we'll be all right because I don't see the likes of Kane or Son or Ali leaving. And I think if Ericsson goes and we, we can make a signing to in that position, I think we'll be all right. I think we've shown with Pochettino that he's able to get the best out of players. And I think we've shown with the likes of Kane being injured that we do have a far deeper squad than people give us credit for. I mean, Lucas Moura, you know, I hold my hands up. I've doubted him this season, but in the biggest game of the season, he came up with a, with a hat-trick and it was Unai Emery at PSG who sold him to Tottenham, which, you know, thank you very much to, to Unai, Unai Emery. And it makes you wonder about perhaps his uh, judgment of players with transfers. Are you, are you worried about who he may be willing to let go or who he'll be bringing in this summer? Um, hugely. Hugely. Just before I touch upon that, I just wanted to say when you mentioned Grealish, I mean, that is he's a very good player, but that is the type of signing that might not take Spurs to the next level. So when you obviously everyone would love someone like Gareth Bale at Spurs, I'm sure back back to the back to the club. But those are the calibers of players to take to that next level. Surely you can't expect um, a player like Ericsson to be replaced with a subpar um, championship player. And I might be taking that to black or white. Um, I understand that someone like Bale might be too too ambitious as well. But I think, listen, I might be thinking on a, on a football manager type of uh, level now. But I think if, if I was a Spurs fan, I would want to see that next level player now. The Cavani's of this world, the, um, albeit it didn't work at United, the Di Maria's, the, uh, the um, Aaron Ramsey's retrospectively now, you know, top class players playing at top class clubs. Um, who can bring that top-class mentality long-term. Um, but speaking to Arsenal um, with signings, I don't trust Emery at all, based on what he did last summer. Torreira, I think, was an obvious one because of how well he performed at the World Cup. Guendouzi, I'm sure, was not his signing. I'm sure it, it was a real um, scouting effort, probably from the legacy of Arsene Wenger um, from the French players. Um, Socrates, again, an obvious one. But, again, not much longevity, um, and, and no one, not, not someone who fits within a specific style of play. At the end of the day, he's a big guy, a big defender playing at the back. You can only go so wrong. Um, I don't know what we need in the summer. And that's why we've got a manager getting paid that money to do that. And I think, and there've been a lot, a series of interviews with our, I'm not sure the exact roles, but I think they're like sporting directors and head of transfers. And they've been doing a lot of uh, PR spin um, this week to kind of excite the fans um, there's been a lot of words, not much substance, and I still don't know in terms of sound bites exactly what we are planning to do and who we are trying to sign. I, I, I think, again, it depends on that Champions League qualification, because otherwise we're ending up with uh, Ava Benega and um, Titus Bramble probably at the back. We, we, Bramble. We, yeah, 
Titus Bramble, or maybe Jamie O'Hara, O'Hara will come out of uh, retirement once his uh, his pencil mark has uh, has um, healed. I I just I don't know what we need anymore because I don't know what the management wants. So we, I can't link us with certain players because I don't know whether that's the style of football that fits in. And also in terms of who leaves, I mean there is now a hole in that midfield. Um, I think they all seem to be pinning it on Ozil to fill in, but we've seen over the past few years, he is not capable of doing that um, at his average best. Um, someone like Iwobi clearly isn't good enough week in, week out. Otherwise, he would have been playing all season and would have improved dramatically. He improved at the start, but not in the end. Um, you just have to look at that, that front two and build a team around that backwards. But as I said before, I don't know where who's playing in defence and what style. I don't know who those core midfielders are. So I, I think I think Emery has to take a step back in pre-season and think, who are the must-haves and what is my style? And what is my formation and my preferred style of play? And what is my plan B? And then he has to fill the gaps from there. And if that means a massive season of transition where you get rid of half that squad, I mean, I mean it, get rid of half of that squad and start building. And I, I would be happy to have a year of transition next year where we don't win anything just in order to refresh um, the team so the fans have something to be excited about. You know, do you remember when we were younger, the 2007-08 season, Arsenal had this core of young players with the De Nielsons, Adi Bayor was there, Van Persie was younger at the time, Kleb was there, Alexander Kleb, um, Amunia came in, uh, Sanya and Clichy were there. It was, it was super, super, super exciting because we had a team of players who were young, fresh, fearless and if that Eduardo injury shouldn't have uh, had uh, hadn't happened we probably would have won the league but that is also a, a mention about the backbone of that team that they didn't have that balance but something needs to change something needs to change it sounds like though given um what you just said about maybe half the squad needing to leave do you actually think that this squad beyond maybe the front two players who you mentioned to, to build the team around do you actually think this Arsenal squad at the moment, if they qualified for the Champions League, are in their current state actually good enough for the Champions League at the moment? Do you think that defence, that midfield is good enough? And do you think that actually replacing Aaron Ramsey is a bigger task for you than replacing Ericsson would be for us? Are you worried about the whole being left by Aaron Ramsey? Because I don't think personally, I mean, just from the outside looking in, you'll probably know better as an Arsenal fan who watches them more regularly. But I don't think it's a coincidence that when Ramsey was injured, your form kind of fell off the cliff after that? Um, I don't think we're good enough for the Champions League. I'd be surprised if we got past the group stage next year um, in this current state, but I'm sure this won't be the state of the squad come September, although based on previous transfer windows, it probably will be. Um, Ramsey, I have a love-hate relationship. I absolutely love him for what he's done in terms of those impactful goals. He won the trophy, broke the drought. He is a modern-day Arsenal legend, not an overall Arsenal legend for me but modern day. Um, but but I, I, I don't think that the team truly relied on him. I think, I think it was a coincidence that when he didn't play, but also he was in that squad for his certain attributes, which were driving the play forward um, the, 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 and having that impact. So I guess, yeah, we didn't have that type of player, but I don't think it's a... Like someone when Bale left Spurs, you were like, whoa, that is a massive talent, bringing something specific to the squad. 
I think we can easily get someone who brings more to the overall play than Aaron Ramsey has in the past few years. Um, but who that guy is and what, what he um, looks like will purely depend on what happens on Wednesday night at eight o'clock. And are you still, do you still want Unai Emery there next season, regardless of what happens on Wednesday? Or do you think he should go? Have you seen enough? Are you, are you still Unai out or do you think he deserves another season now? I'm still Unai out. I think either way, if he loses it, he's shown that he is um, no better than what we have. If he wins it, I think he has got to the peak of what he can do as a manager. I, I, I think he is a Europa League merchant and a glorified um, a glorified league, league manager of just um, taking clubs to where they're, they're full... To, to what their current potential is. So with PSG, they were miles ahead of everyone else, so he won them the league, not outstandingly. Um, and with Arsenal, he's taken them to a fifth-place finish, um, potentially pushing for Champions League, which is kind of the status uh, situation they, 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 they should be in. Um, I'm sorry to say it, it. It pains me to say it. It does feel fickle. Um, but I think we, we as a club, especially if we get in the Champions League, can do much, much, much better than Unai Emery. And what do you think about the Mkhitaryan situation with the Europa League final? Obviously, I know you're not his biggest fan on the football pitch, Ross Geller, as we refer to him. Um, but how do you feel about the fact that he won't be able to travel for the final? And what do you think about those who say that Arsenal should, you know, take a stand and support their player and, and you know, even boycott the final over this? You know, how, what, what do you think and feel about this whole situation? I mean, I, I won't enter the political um, element of this argument, but the truth is I am I am delighted that Mkhitaryan, talking about football, will not be in the squad because I don't think he's good enough for Arsenal. And I, and I think he would be a detriment to the team if he was playing. Um, all things considered, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame because he is one of our first team players and you want them um, to arrive. But the, the situation is the situation. You can't, we can't boycott a final. Um, that is this important. That, that's just the truth. I think if we were already in the Champions League, I think they would say, you know what, we're going to boycott it. I think they know that, that the, um, the benefit of being this final outweighs um, the risk of, be, of being outside um, this final and letting Chelsea have it. Um, it's a shame it's got to this, but listen, we knew early in the season it was Baku. If there was any um, worry beforehand, they should have made, set up this anti- uh, Europa League final campaign early in the season. Um, I do agree with the fact that you've got to have, you know, it's part of Europe. Um, they are fans across the world are entitled to see the best teams and the best competitions. Um, it was selected for the criteria um, outlined by UEFA, and we just have to get on with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a obviously there's a lot of different levels to it, isn't there? I mean, I'm just thankful, I suppose that. I mean, I, I I won't be going to Madrid. I you know couldn't get a ticket, and I'm not gonna gonna travel on the off chance of just to be there. I will probably go and watch the game at the, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the live screening they're doing. But um, I suppose I you know obviously having already spoken about Mkhitaryan, I suppose from a fan perspective as well, it's unfortunate that not many Arsenal fans will be able to go to the game. Um, but you know, we've seen it with the Qatar World Cup or, you know, other things. We know that these decisions aren't necessarily always made according to, to what's best for the teams who happen to get to that stage when the time comes. So 
it, it brings up a lot of different questions. And speaking of lots of different questions, um, we did cheat slightly. We had a little pre-alignment before this podcast about what we could do as our, our last game of the season um, before the season ends. And we have come up with a little end of season quiz. Um, me asking you some tough questions about Spurs' season and you vice versa asking me some tough questions about Arsenal's first season under Unai Emery. Um, so I wonder if you'd like to, as the better team in North London this season, clearly, um, would like to do the honours. Oh, a lovely segue and introduction there. Um, so question one yes. concerns Arsenal's first league victory this season, Unai Emery's first win. Oh, God. <laughs> who, who was that against? Was it West Ham? It was. Wow. Oh, OK. Wow. S- question number two. Earlier, you mentioned your 22-game unbeaten run. Oh, yeah. Which team brought that run to an end? Uh, was it Liverpool? No, it was Southampton. Wow. Oh, it's always Southampton. Always. But, Liverpool, you mentioned this earlier. Who was what, what game was your biggest defeat in the league this season? Oh, Liverpool 5-1 at Anfield. There we go. But, your biggest victory in the league this season? Oh, oh wow. Um, oh, God. I'm sure I remember this. Um... I don't think there were that many big, uh, big hitting defeat, uh, wins. Was there? Was there a four-nil at against Huddersfield? Maybe there may have been. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the one I've got written down. Maybe I've written the wrong one down. But I don't know. That's a complete guess. But you beat Fulham five-one. Okay. And you beat Bournemouth five-one, according to Excellent. the sport. So two, two five-one wins there, which is nice. Wow. But Fulham have been so out of it this year for a long time. I haven't even. I've forgotten they were in the Premier League. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully, good luck to Fulham. Hopefully, uh, Spurs can sign Ryan Sessegnon. Um, now, we know Aubameyang was your top scorer, but who got the most assists for Arsenal this season? Ha. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I believe. Um, <laughs> Is it Lacazette? It was. Wow. That there front two of Aubameyang and Lacazette. The ultimate strike force. And though that's what I had. Yeah, five questions. Wow. You got wow. four out of five, I think. Wow. Three I'm, out quite five, I'm quite happy with that, you know. Yeah, you did well. Yeah, I think a lot of it was gut instinct. I know my club better than I thought. And I'll open up my questions with exactly the same one, actually. Um, which Spurs players had the most assists in 2018-19 in the Premier League? Oh, most assists. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it is Ericsson, but is it Ericsson? It is Ericsson. Oh. And as a little bonus, how many? 12. 16. Do well. Oh, even better than I thought. Um, a game-specific one. What was significant about Spurs' one-all draw with Arsenal on March the 2nd? The last... Well, it was the last uh, league match we played at Wembley. 
Um, Bomiang's penalty probably cost Arsenal the top four. Um, nope. It was actually the first draw in 32 league games, which is the longest ever run in the Premier League. Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 without a draw. Um, okay, here's a good one. Which player made the most appearances for Spurs in the Premier League this season? Most appearances in the Premier League. Oh, that's a tough one because there's been so much chopping and changing in the first 11 this year with all the injuries. I was very surprised at the answer to this one. I thought a couple of players first and then, wow, it kind of it changed a little bit. Hugo Lloris? No. I'll Vertong- give you one more. I'll give you one more chance. It's a hard question. Jan Vertonghen? No, it was actually Ericsson again. Wow. With 35 appearances in total. You know, going through this quiz, he he played the most games, he got the most assists. It is making me a lot more nervous about potentially losing him this summer. Oh, yeah. The joy. Um, a little bit of a generic one, which hits into the Spurs' history in time. So your new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, on purpose, you've dented the cold gold cockerel on the new South Stand to replicate the one that was in White Hart Lane, which was also dented. What caused the original dent, allegedly? Was it Paul Gascoigne? Yes. And what did he do? Something. Fired a rifle in the 90s. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that one. Um, this, I mean, this one is just impossible. But you know what? I'll be very happy if you get this. How many goals have Spurs conceded in the Champions League this year? Conceded? In, oh, wow. You've conceded a lot of goals in the Champions League this year. Um, I'm going to say... 16? Oh, 17. Oh. oh, I was thinking either 16 or 18. Oh, my God. And I'll be a bit positive. How many did you score this year? In the Champions League? Yes. 20? 20, exactly. Oh. Well done. That's a great one. Um, oh. And my final question, actually, was how many trophies have Spurs won in the last 11 years? One. Zero. Thank you very much. <laughs> and long may it continue. Well, that could potentially all this time next week, it could this all. This time ne- next week. And uh, I think I'd like to just say, first off, um, big thank you to you, Michael, for coordinating the podcast this year, the Cannon Cocker on its debut season. I think it's been an absolute um, honour to, to share a platform with you. Um, you know, you're very knowledgeable about Spurs. You're very passionate about Spurs. Um, you've articulated your points brilliantly. You've been fair um, and measured throughout the season. Um, and it's been a good season for you to begin it. So um, well done. Congratulations. Um, as a neutral, good luck. Um, as an Arsenal fan, I hope you lose. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, and all the same back to you. And, you know, who knows, it could be a very good season for us for us both. You know, both teams winning European trophies would be a good season to start with. Um, and thanks to everybody who has listened and told people about the show. And hopefully next season we'll, you know, we'll obviously we'll, we'll do another episode to talk about what happens in our respective finals. But hopefully next season, both ourselves and our clubs will come back uh, bigger and better. Yes, and we might have to do some different time zones because when Spurs win the Champions League, I will be on my Australian time zone as well recording the podcast we'll we'll do a, an australian league podcast as well you can tell us all about you know 
Melbourne and uh, Sydney or, or, you know, all the, what the all the Australian teams are up to. Maybe get Tim Cahill on the podcast. Yeah, I'm sure Tim Cahill's still uh, bouncing around. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens in the week. Good luck to, to Spurs. Bad, uh, bad luck to Arsenal. And uh, it's the final countdown. Da 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 da